0: Today, how a drone strike in the heart of Russia is triggering alarm among Ukraine's allies. As NATO sends in more troops, we're on the ground in northern Kosovo, where ethnic tensions are flaring. Could the Taliban be trying to come in from the cold? We have an exclusive on secret talks held in Qatar. Plus, NVIDIA, the market's new trillion-dollar baby. It's Wednesday, May 31st. This is Reuters World News, bringing you everything you need to know from the front lines in 10 minutes. I'm Kim Vanell in London. Let's start with the news making headlines around the world.
1: All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All those opposed say no. No. The opinion of the chair, the ayes have it.
0: One hurdle cleared, just. The debt ceiling legislation brokered by Joe Biden and Kevin McCarthy has been passed by the House Rules Committee 7-6. Despite a hardline GOP revolt, it now goes to the House of Representatives, where it will need support from members of both parties if it's to pass. The sound of air raid sirens over the South Korean capital, Seoul. They were sparked, in error, by a failed satellite launch from North Korea. The launch flopped, with the booster and payload plunging into the sea. To China, and day two of Elon Musk's visit.
2: What's going to happen to the Shanghai plant, Mr Musk? Is it going to expand, Mr Musk?
0: That Shanghai plant is one of the sites Musk is set to visit in his first Chinese trip for three years. On Monday, he met with Chinese Foreign Minister Qin Gang and Zheng Yujing, chairman of CATL, the Chinese battery giant. Musk's trip is seen as key to reviving Tesla's fortunes in China as it faces growing competition there. It's time for the latest on markets, and one company is lighting up the board. Carmel, tell us about
3: NVIDIA. Right. NVIDIA became the first chip maker to hit a $1 trillion valuation this week. It's basically riding the AI wave. Its chips are powering this new era of computing. So its stock value has tripled in less than eight months.
0: Wow. What other companies then could win like this in the AI space?
3: Yeah, there's definitely, well, As you can imagine, there's a huge buzz around AI and we've seen other shares arise like another chip maker ADM. It's up about 100% so far this year. But like any buzzy sector, we have to be a little bit cautious, right? I mean, regulators are only beginning to get to grips with this new technology. So there could be, you know, some speed bumps ahead, but definitely it feels like a new era. So what does this mean for the
0: dominance of the traditional
3: media and tech companies? So you're talking about the fangs there, like the Facebooks, the Netflix, the Googles, the Amazons. I mean, who knows, right? They've had a 13 year bull run and it's very rare that the market leaders of one era dominate the next. But even within that grouping, there are differences. Google is definitely benefiting from the buzz around AI. So we'll just have to see how it goes. An
0: audacious drone attack on Moscow and a warning from Vladimir Putin. He called it a terrorist attack and an attempt to provoke Russia. The eight Ukrainian drones were shot down or diverted, but reverberations are still being felt around the world. Ukraine's allies and watchdogs like the International Atomic Energy Agency now contemplate a dangerous shift in the territory of the war. Guy Falconbridge is our Russia bureau chief. Guy, isn't a drone attack on Moscow a serious escalation?
2: So for Russia, which is the world's biggest nuclear power, attacking its capital city is seen from Moscow as a significant escalation. Although the Kremlin did today try to sort of not play down, but to react calmly to what is in essence an an attack on the heart of Russia.
0: And Russia is adamant that Ukraine is behind the attack?
2: Ukraine denied it, but they said that they were enjoying watching it and that there would be more attacks to come. What seems to be happening is that Ukraine is trying to essentially distract attention, force Russia to focus on different areas, for example, its capital city, Moscow, rather than focusing on the fighting in Ukraine itself. And there could be several reasons for that. One is that there's an imminent counteroffensive planned by Ukraine. At the same time, they are trying to essentially, if this is Ukraine, they're trying to bring the war to Moscow itself.
0: How worried is the rest of the world? The West is
2: concerned about Western weaponry being used inside Russia proper, so inside what is recognised by the world to be Russia, whether that be in regions bordering Ukraine or an attack on Moscow. There's no evidence yet that the drone attack on Moscow was carried out with Western weaponry. But at the same time, the West does not want a direct confrontation with Russia. And the reason for that is, frankly, that Russia has a lot of nuclear weapons. So I think there are two different perceptions. One perception is the Western perception, which is that Russia's warnings about escalating the conflict are an attempt to essentially scare the West away from supporting Ukraine. And then there's a perception from Moscow, which I think is slightly different, which is that certainly Putin presents this entire conflict as an existential threat to Russia and as an existential battle with the West. And if you walk down his alley in a way, then if this is an existential battle with the West, then the West should probably be quite worried about an escalation.
0: We have too much violence in Europe already today. We cannot afford another conflict. EU foreign policy chief Joseph Borrell referencing the war in Ukraine, but addressing serious concerns about violence a thousand kilometers southwest in northern Kosovo. NATO is sending 700 extra troops and putting another battalion on high alert after fierce clashes with Serb protesters. The unrest has been sparked by the election of Albanian mayors and raised fears of a wider conflict in the Balkans' nation. Fatos Petushi is in northern Kosovo.
4: I'm here now in this uh, small town called Daposavić, which is close to the border with Serbia. So in front of me there is municipality building and inside is an Albanian mayor but they want him out. And the whole building is surrounded by NATO troops and NATO has different nations. Here it happens to be Italians and American troops. In the past 24 hours, 48 hours, it was quite difficult. There were a lot of tension in three municipalities in the north of Kosovo. The worst ones was in the municipality of Zvechan, which is around 30, 35 kilometers from where I'm standing. As you can see from my voice, i faced uh, a lot of tear gas yesterday and a little bit changed my voice uh, that that tear gas. Lucky there was no tear gas today. Situation looks, as NATO puts, uh, like it's calm, but remains very, very tense. Fatos B'trishi reporting for Reuters from northern Kosovo.
0: Could the Taliban be trying to end its isolation from the world? A source has told Reuters that the Taliban's supreme leader held secret talks with Qatar's prime minister on how to resolve tensions with the international community. National security reporter Jonathan Landay is in Washington, D.C. Jonathan, the White House is declining to comment on these talks. How much do they know about them?
1: Well, my source tells me that in addition to being briefed by Qatar on the talks, the Biden administration is coordinating on all of the issues discussed by Qatar Prime Minister Mohammed bin Abdul Rahman Al-Thani, and Haipatullah Akhundzada, the paramount Taliban leader. And those issues include furthering a dialogue between the international community and the Taliban.
0: What could these talks mean for the recognition of the Taliban by the U.S. and other countries?
1: That's yet to be seen. It could be quite some time before any country recognises the Taliban because of their bans on women's employment and girls going to public secondary schools, their overall poor human rights record, and their refusal, at least at this point, to bring into their government any Afghan from outside their movement. So what do we know about the Taliban chief and what he wants from the world? We don't know much at all about Haibatullah Akhundzada. He has been a recluse since he took over as the Taliban's paramount political, military, and religious leader in 2013. He rarely meets with members of his own government and has been seen to be uncompromising, at least up to this point, on his edicts, including those bans on women's employment and on girls going to secondary public schools.
0: That's it for this edition of Reuters World News. We'll be back tomorrow. To get all our shows in your podcast feed, make sure to follow us on your favorite platform or download the Reuters app.